0: turn with me to first corinthians first corinthians chapter 1 and verse 7 As i said i want to try to preach this morning about the comings of the Lord and I've got uh I've got three pages of scripture but I'm not going probably not going to be able to get to them all so uh don't start yawning don't start looking at your watch we still got got a few minutes left but uh, I just want to speak to you out of my heart this morning. I feel like the Lord has been dealing with me lately about this message. And some messages, it seem like they're easy to preach. And some messages are a little harder to preach. They, I don't know why. It's just, I guess, the weakness of our minds uh, that uh, we don't think we can uh, come across with what God gives us. And we feel very inadequate. But I believe the Bible teaches that that he has made us able ministers of the New Testament. And that's what I want to be. I want to be an able, capable, anxious minister of the New Testament. I want to be able to preach what God wants me to preach. As the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to uh a young minister named Timothy, one of the things he told him was to preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. He told him to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. And that's what I feel like we need this morning. We need what the Word of God tells us, uh, whether we've heard it all our life or not. Uh, You know, just because somebody has believed something all their life or heard something preached all their life, it doesn't make it right. Amen? Amen. It doesn't make it right. But I believe God wants to make it right for us. God wants to correct us where we've been in error on many things. Uh, all right, let's look at First uh, Corinthians 1 and verse 7. So that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, I've, I'm not bragging, but I've got about three pages of scripture here, and I don't think we're going to get to all of them, but... I want us to think about the comings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's, uh, and I'm going to deal mainly in the New Testament. The Old Testament pretty much is uh, complete as far as the prophecies of the coming of the Lord, uh, and they're completed in the New Testament in Christ. Uh, so I want to deal primarily with the New Testament this morning, and and see what the Bible says about the comings. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't. I'm not slurred by words. I'm trying to say it where you hear it clearly. Comings, plural, more than one. Are right, the in the New Testament the first coming uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, was in the flesh? The Bible speaks about in the days of his flesh, uh, and in uh, one scripture tells us. Uh, That great was the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, Uh, seed of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and received back up into glory now the Bible tells us very plainly that he came in the flesh uh, and we need to realize that 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 was his coming to accomplish uh, the purpose of God in his flesh uh, and as a uh, Isaiah the prophet spoke about that he would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace would be up upon him uh, God had purpose for his son to come forth to take the sins of the whole world upon himself in the days of his flesh. He was crucified, buried, and resurrected in the time when he came to manifest God in the flesh. In him, the Bible says, in the son of God dwelleth all the fullness of of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in him. Uh, The Bible tells us uh, many places uh, the reason he came. uh, Jesus Christ came to to put away sin, amen? He came, he didn't come to hide sin. He didn't come to cover sins. He came to put away our sin through the sacrifice of of Himself. He loved you and me. He died for us. He gave His life for us. He shed His blood for you and me. And it's very important that we emphasize what He did in the days of His flesh. Amen? God revealed Himself in the flesh. He gave his flesh. uh, He gave his blood. uh, He gave his life uh, for you and me. Uh, All right, that's the first coming of Christ. A little baby born in the wise men from the east. They were expecting him in many places in the Old Testament. It was prophesied even where he would be born and why he would be born. So he came forth born of the Virgin Mary. God was his father. The Virgin Mary was his mother and he came forth to bring The reality and the knowledge of of Almighty God to the world. And that lasted about 33 years. He was in the flesh in this world uh, about 33 years. uh, He walked the shores of Galilee. He healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, uh, all these wonderful things uh, to show the goodness and mercy of God uh, unto a lost and a dying world. All right, now that. Just a few things uh, that it said about him. The Bible said about Jesus Christ in the days of his flesh. Uh, One scripture tells us that if everything he did during that short period of time was written in books, the world could not contain the books. You know, when you go to a library Especially some of these older ones that didn't have computers, they had books. Did you ever remember books? You know, nobody checks out a book anymore. You just look it up on a computer now. But there was a day when people went to libraries to look at books. Amen. That may sound silly to some people, but it's true. People actually looked at books, and they had all kinds of books in a library. But the world could not contain the books of what Jesus did. Amen. Are right, now, the Bible says Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again the third day. And over 500 brethren saw him after he rose from the dead. He didn't immediately go back to heaven. He spent 40 days 40 days uh, teaching them the things concerning the kingdom of God. And then he led his disciples to a mountaintop, and he ascended up into heaven there from that mountain. And while they were all standing there looking up into heaven, that's what a lot of people are doing today. They're looking up into heaven. They're not serving God. They're just looking. White apparel stood there and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus shall so come again, even as you've seen him go. These two men, whoever they were, angels, witnesses, whatever they were, they had a message, he's coming back, amen. But they didn't tell the whole story. They didn't go into great detail. They just told him, told the people there that he's coming back. He had not left you as orphans. Jesus said, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, what did he have reference to when he said that? He said, talking about the Holy Spirit, he said he's with you, but he shall be in you. Amen. Amen. He shall be in you. And Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. A lot of people don't realize he meant what he said. He meant what he said. I will come to you. Praise God. There's more than one coming of the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, uh, God poured out his spirit upon those that were waiting for him. Amen? That's what it says. He poured out his spirit. And that spirit was not just an angel. That spirit wasn't just any old spirit. That was a spirit of God. Amen. That was a spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. That spirit, the Holy Ghost, has a name, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says the Lord is that spirit. The Lord is that spirit. And the Bible also tells us who the Lord is. Jesus Christ is Lord. Did you know that's a scripture? Jesus Christ is Lord. So now that we've tried to establish who he is, then we know who that spirit is. That spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ that came on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Jesus came forth, In the flesh. But when he went away. In the flesh. He ascended up to heaven. He poured out. His spirit. On the day of Pentecost. So one of the comings. Of our Lord. Was the coming of the Lord. On the day of Pentecost. You might say well that's well and good. But we're looking for the. Second coming of the Lord. Did you know the term second coming i don't see it in the bible amen the bible says to the to them that look for him shall he appear the second time, without sin unto salvation. Praise God. Every one of us, he has appeared to us. He has come to us. He has given us his presence to dwell in us. He said, I will be in you. I will dwell in my people, he said. Uh, in the book of Malachi, it says that he will suddenly come to his temple. Uh, You and I are the temple of God. How many of you know that you and I, the church, uh, we are the temple of God and God dwells in us. Uh, God said even in the, even in the Old Testament, God said, I don't dwell in temples made with hands. The most high God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So where does he dwell? He dwells in his people. You and I are the temple of God. We are the holy temple in the Lord. We are in the Lord and the Lord is in us. Jesus pointed that out. He said, I'm in my Father and my Father is in me. There is such a union there. Praise God. We have been joined unto the Lord. All right, so we see there's more than one coming of the Lord. He came the first time in the flesh. He's He has come back on the day of Pentecost. He said, I will never leave you Nor forsake you, but I will go with you even to the end of the world. Jesus is with us now. Amen. All right, now I want to try to give a few examples of how the Lord has come to his people even during this age. Some of my uh, Pentecostal friends use the expression that uh, we're in the Holy Ghost Dispensation And I believe that How many of you know that the Holy Ghost Won't come back four or five more times He's here Amen He's here I'm not looking for another day of Pentecost He's here The day of Pentecost Was fully come And he's fully here And as the Apostle Paul said We preach the fullness of of the gospel. I met a preacher down in Florida quite a few years ago and I just asked him out of the clear blue, I said, are you full gospel? You know, that's a term that a lot of people use for uh, the spirit-filled churches and these things. So I said, are you full gospel? And he said, brother, let me tell you something. The gospel is full. Amen. Did you know the gospel is full? The Bible says Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. All the fullness of the Godhead is in him. We've got what we need if we've got Jesus Christ, amen? If we have Christ in our heart, we've got all we need. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Ghost. All three of these in one. All three of this in Jesus Christ. Not three persons, but three manifestations of one God. Amen. All of you know that I've tried for about 50 years or so to preach one God. And that one God has revealed himself In our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I and the Father are one. All right, let us get back to this message. There are times when we read about the coming of the Lord. Sometimes it's past, talking about his first coming. Sometimes it's present, talking about his presence in the world by his spirit. And sometimes it's future, talking about when Jesus comes back in glory and to judge the world. He's already come back to manifest himself to us by his Holy Spirit. But he's coming back one day to manifest the judgments and wrath of God upon this world. But it won't be wrath for us, amen? It won't be wrath for you and me if we're believers and followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he has not not appointed us unto wrath. That's good news, amen. It's good news that we're not appointed unto wrath, but we are appointed unto salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now, there's a scripture I want us to look at, two or three of them here, in Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 1. I just want to mention part of this verse, talks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Well, some people might think, and I guess it's okay to think this if you want to, that's talking about the second coming of the Lord. But is it really? I feel like it's talking about the first coming of the Lord and all the great things he accomplished by his coming into this world. Notice it also says, and by our gathering together unto him. Our gathering together unto him. What are we doing this morning? We're gathering together in the name of Jesus Christ. We're gathered together here, not for a funeral, thank goodness, but we're gathered together here right now to worship God, to praise God, to hear about God, to know more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The purpose of our gathering is because he came. Amen. Amen. He came in the flesh to accomplish the will of God the Father in the days of the son's flesh upon this world. God's always had a purpose. The Bible tells us that God sent his word his word into this world and his word would not return unto him void void or empty, without a purpose, without accomplishing things. You and I, we might have some of our own words sometime, not accomplish anything. Have you ever said something to somebody and you feel like it was just a a waste of breath? You might as well be talking to the wall that you feel like your words fell on deaf ears. Well, God's not like that. When God sends his word into the world, he accomplishes what he set out to do. Jesus Christ is the Word, Amen. How many of you know Jesus Christ is the Word of God? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, Jesus Christ, was God. The Word was God, and the Word was made made flesh and dwelt among us. Aren't you glad that he came into this world? Now you and I can rejoice because he came into this world. Let me read you another scripture. Second Peter 1 and verse 16. It talks about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, the majesty was manifested in a special way when Peter, James, and John went with Jesus on top of a mountain one day. And while they were up there, Moses and Elijah visited too. So they had a a good time up there, amen? They saw the, the majesty of God. How did they see it? Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were all transfigured there on that mountaintop. And you know the story, if you read it, where Peter, James, and John became afraid. They didn't know what was happening. The light was so bright and glistening. The transfiguration uh, was so bright and the majesty of God was manifested there on that mountaintop. It's I believe that light and transfiguration that they saw maybe was similar to what Saul of Tarsus saw on the road to Damascus. This same Jesus, amen, this same Jesus, Paul said that he saw a light brighter than the, noon, the noonday sun. And it blinded him for three days. Amen. But I want you to know, it opened his spiritual eyes. Saul of Tarsus was blinded there on the road to Damascus for three days. But his eyes were opened. He saw Jesus. Amen. I believe in the spirit, he saw Jesus. And I believe every one of us, even though we've probably never seen him with these naturalized the reason I say probably because some of God's people have actually seen the Lord. They've had visions of Jesus Christ. You remember when they were stoning Stephen for preaching the gospel? Right before he died, he said, I see Jesus. He looked up in heaven and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Amen. He saw Jesus. Jesus came to Stephen. Jesus came to Saul of Tarsus, changed his name to the apostle Paul. Jesus manifested himself in such a glorious way to Peter, James, and John, and they were referring to what happened even before he died. Amen. They weren't talking about the second coming of Christ. They were talking about the first coming of Christ. The power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were witnesses of His majesty. They witnessed His glory, they witnessed His majesty. You know, most of the time, when you say His majesty, you're referring to a king, amen? A king or a judge even as far as this life is concerned. But my king is Jesus. My king is the judge. My king is the Lord of glory. All right, let's go on now. So we see that we're living in a time now when the Lord chose to reveal himself to us. You remember what he said, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, but I'll go with you even to the end of the world. So we see that Jesus Christ is with his people now. But there's times when the Bible speaks about his appearing. He appears to us in the same sense that we see the kingdom of God. In the same sense that Moses, the Bible says Moses, followed him who is invisible. Amen. Now, why would people follow somebody they couldn't even see? Well, apparently, our vision of Christ goes beyond the flesh. Amen. So we can See the Lord. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, following the Lamb of God. We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith, and our faith gives us a vision of glory. In the book of Ephesians, the Bible tells us how we see Jesus. How do we see him? crowned and in glory. Amen. I don't see him on the cross, but I see him on the throne now, crowned and in glory. Some people believe that when Jesus comes back, we're going to make him king. He's already king. He's always been king. He's the king of glory. I'm not going to make him king. He has been made king a long, long time ago. The king of glory, the king of kings, lord of lords. He's already our king. I that just remind me of another one. You remember a man named John, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle? John was put on the island of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. And while he was out there as a <clears throat> as a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos, who do you think visited him? Amen? Who do you think came to him? John wasn't just out there having visions. The Lord of glory appeared to him. Jesus Christ himself spoke to him. Jesus Christ came to John to give him a knowledge of a book to write. The whole book of Revelation was written on the Isle of Patmos because the Lord came back to John. The Lord appeared to John. The Lord spoke to John. To me, that sounds like it's pretty personal, amen? Pretty personal. I talked to a man one time and said, are you a Christian? He said, that's personal. And I was thinking, yeah, it is. He's our personal Savior. But if he's really your Savior, you won't be ashamed to talk about him. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you'll confess my name before the men of this world, I'll confess your name in heaven. That's where we need our names confessed. We don't need to have a a lot of praise in this world. Matter of fact, we don't need any praise in this world. We just need God to say, yes, you're my child. All right, now, I'm going to try to finish out this with a just a short sum- summary. We've talked about when the Lord came in the days of his flesh. We're looking at the scriptures now where the Lord came back in spirit. He came to be our spirit, our, not our spirit, but came to be our friend, our comforter. One of the words for the Holy Spirit of God is a comforter. And I'm glad he comforts us. Edification, exhortation, and comfort, these three things should be the result of prophecy. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we have the spirit of prophecy. In the book of Revelation, it says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we have that spirit. Amen. We want to be a spirit-filled church. We want to be a people that are led and guided by his spirit. One scripture says, they that are led by the spirit are the children of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a child of God. Because you're born, born again of the Spirit of God. And that's God's Spirit. That's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. All right, now, let's look at the last thing now. Um Matthew 24. Matthew 24. There are a number of scriptures that talk about the first coming and then the second coming and then the final coming. In Matthew 24, uh, if you want to read it, beginning in verse 29, it said, after the tribulation, uh, and it goes on to talk about, and then shall appear. I like that word appear, appear. Some people say, well, it appears to me, and they don't really give it a whole lot of thought. It appears to me. What appears to me? It appears to me that Jesus Christ is the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. It appears to me he's the truth. He is the truth. He spoke the truth. He tells us the truth in his word. He said, thy word is truth. Let every man be a liar, the Bible says. But the word of God is the truth. The apostle John said, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. One. Who is that one? It's Jesus Christ. Alright, but let's go, Matthew 24. I just want to kind of mention briefly what these verses say. It says, after the tribulation, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Amen. The Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Now, that word clouds, I believe it has a double reference. We know he went up in the clouds. A cloud received him. In the book of Daniel, it talks about the Son of Man in the clouds. But also, the Apostle Paul talked about those clouds. Maybe a different kind of cloud. He said, for there is so great a cloud of witnesses. A lot of people say, well, that's talking about those that have died and gone on and they're watching us, all that, they're witnessing what we're doing. Well, that may be true or may not be true. But I believe you and I are the cloud of witnesses. I believe we are are a cloud of witnesses. Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall re- receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Now, let's look at just the opposite of that to try to prove that I, why I believe that. Scriptures tell us that uh, the false. Prophets, false teachers, uh, those that reject the truth, uh, how they believe the lie and reject the truth, uh, that they are like a cloud, amen? They are like a cloud without water. They are tossed tossed about by every wind of doctrine. They are not... uh, preachers of the truth. They are not believers of the truth, but they are a cloud without water. But you and I, we are clouds with water. What good's a cloud without water? Amen. What good's a cloud without water? What kind of water? Have we. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about a little bottle of water, although I've got a little bottle of water. But the water of life. Jesus talks about the water of life. In John chapter 4, he told the woman at the well, I'll give you water, and you won't be thirsty anymore. I'll give you water, and you won't have to come to Jacob's well or whatever well you want to come to. The woman got all excited and said, Well, give me this water. She wasn't understanding at first, But I believe it was made real to her later on in their conversation that he was talking about the spirit of God, amen, and the word of God, the water of life. In Ephesians chapter five, the Bible says, and I'm not changing subjects here, but I, I want to tell you something. The Bible says husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved your church uh, and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it uh, with the washing of water of the word. Amen. Did you know the word of God will clean you up Amen. How many of you know that the word of God will clean you up? Praise God. The Bible says no unclean thing will enter into the kingdom of God, but you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you is what Jesus said. The washing of water by the word. So we are clouds filled with the water of life. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with God's precious spirit. And so we are that great cloud of witnesses. And I believe that the Bible speaks much about that. That we are that cloud that he would come and fill with his presence. Amen.